Yeah, that's a big part of kids coaching is you're not you most of the time you're not teaching biking. <laughs> like a, a good kids coach should be teaching respect, empathy, um uh leadership in the kids, um teaching the kids how to work together, teaching the kids about teamwork, teaching the kids about about um being humble. Um you're teaching that stuff just as much as you're teaching, teaching biking and breaking and body position. Three, two, one, zero, zero. Welcome to Donuts and Bikes, the mountain biking coaching podcast. Your hosts are Christian and Paul, and we're here to discuss the skills, techniques, and tactics we've used to progress our riders and coaches over the past 20 years to become more skillful and confident and ultimately have more fun on bikes. So click into a harder gear and get ready to dig deep into some of these skills. Paul, it is good to see you again. It has been a while. It has, man. It's been a while. It's really good to see you. Yeah, we saw each other briefly in Whistler this summer. Yeah. Uh, In the midst of a a major life change for you. Yeah, moving house. Good times. Don't ever want to do that again. So, (laughs) I I can't, I can't imagine. We last time we moved as a family was in 2008. Yeah. And Jude, our youngest, has just just been born. I can't imagine moving now. I I can't. Yeah, don't do it. It's, it's a good, (laughs) it's a good tip. Mind you, the actual moving day was, because we got we hired a moving company, so the actual moving day was way easier than the last time we moved, where we tried to do a bunch ourselves. But um, after that, it's like, yeah, it's like the aftermath of, of endless box boxes, boxes, <laughs> and there's pictures everywhere on the floor. But already, it's awesome. Just so pumped, so pumped on the new place. So, well, do you want to share with our listeners where where you all are now? Uh, yeah, we moved to we moved up to Pemby, the land of potatoes and farming, and so good space. The land of garages. I have a garage. Yay! <laughs> so good. I never it's a major re- life upgrade. Yeah, and it's weird. Like I've never I've never really lived in Canada in a place on a level lot. Like I've always had to go upstairs to the house, and like our old place had like three flights of stairs to the back of the house. So. I I never really appreciated driving up to your driveway, taking your bike out of your truck and then putting it into the garage, which is right next to the driveway. Like that to me is like, I, I would live in a box just so I could, <laughs> just so I could do that. And I don't have to haul all my gear up two or three. Well, think about, think about all the cumulative time that you just saved. Oh man. It's crazy. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, in the old house, you'd forget something and be like, oh, shit, I've got to go all the way back up there. Or you'd get in and you'd left something in the truck and be like, oh, shit, got to go. <laughs> Whereas now, it's like literally next to my front door. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. Yeah, so that that alone, it's a good it's a good upgrade. But how's life with you? You've had some transitions lately as well. Yeah, life, life is good. We um, sent our oldest to college which happens to be just down the road where my wife and I both teach, but nice. it's living in the, living in the dorm, which has been, it's been a huge life adjustment for us, not having him in the house and, and trying to, yeah. trying to learn, learn through that process and getting excited for him, for his, 
all, all of yeah. just the, the freedom and independence, decision-making friends, yeah. you know, there's all the newness, right. All the, all the newness is just, it's so cool for him. And that's emotional um, times that that's, that's crazy. It is. Yeah. And, you know, I think each, each phase as a, as a parent, you go through and like, you're never really ready for the next phase. Yeah. It's, Seems like we're always like six months behind, you know, whatever happened. We're like six months, you know, goes by. We're like, oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Now we know how to do this. And so we're still in that. (laughs) Yeah, you're you're constantly being put into new situations that you've never really been in before. And you're like, yeah, it takes you a while. But yeah, that's that's I I mean, I always joke with my kids like you hit 18, like, see you later. Like we're kicking you out on your 18th birthday. And but then secretly inside i'm like no i never want them to leave yeah yeah it's it's an interesting interesting time as as a parent you know it's definitely a, a change that couldn't have anticipated how it would feel and it's been yeah. been a been quite a quite a process as a yeah. as a as a family unit to go to go through it all but we're 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 all doing well and excited excited Good for it. kids bikes bikes have helped Bikes have helped. Bikes, yeah. bikes have helped. Yeah. In the, in the, in the transition for sure. Yeah. Cause you've been riding with him a bit, haven't you? Like he's. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I'll, I'll actually, we'll run into him at the, at the bike park and sick. like, all right, let's do a lap on the jump trail. And so oh, nice. bikes are so rad for that. Absolutely. And that's what, absolutely. that's something I hope like as, as the kids get older and they come I guess they go out into the world and they come back. It's like they can come back and hopefully we can, we can just go for a bike ride and connect yeah. on the bikes again. Yeah. Cool. Kids. That's yeah. kind of what Kids. we're That's talking what about we're here today. For. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this, this episode, we are going to look at um, coaching kids, riding with kids, kind of uh, intro to all things kids. Nice. And I think, you know, for a lot of people that get into mountain bike coaching, this is the, um, the PBJ of, of coachings, right. It's working with kids. So a lot of us kind of get our start and and some of us kind of stay with it, you know, whether it's coaching business or, you know, here in the States, we have uh, the NICA program, you know, high school and middle school race team teams across the nation are, are huge. And so a lot of, a lot of, um, adults are, and young people are actually, you know, coaching, coaching kids. So I think it's a pertinent, pertinent topic for us. And you've spent uh, a lot of the summer coaching and, and racing, right? Yeah. Yeah. We've been doing, doing, uh, I mean, we have a pretty extensive kids program in Wrestler. And yeah. So yeah, I think for me, teaching kids is, is really where everything started. So it's, it's going to be good today. I'm looking forward to sort of getting into teaching kids and, and why, why you all should, do it if you haven't done it and and how it can really, really help your coaching, even help your adults coaching. Uh, it's just the, the most fulfilling fun work I've ever done is working with kids that on or off the bike, like working with kids is definitely, definitely up there with some of the best things I've done. Cool. Paul, how did you get into that? How did you, how'd you start with, with coaching kids? Working with kids. I mean, I've kind of worked with kids since I was a kid, like, I've worked on summer camps as a kid with um, kids with disabilities um, 
you know, since I was a teenager and I've always just enjoyed working with kids and then in, in scouts and, and working with kids there. And then, um, mostly in my gap year. So before I went to uni, I lived in Australia for a year and I worked as an assistant teacher in Alice Springs in the middle of nowhere. And, uh, and I was a boarding house supervisor there as well. And I worked with Aboriginal kids for a year, which was, um, heartbreaking in some ways, but like, that's a year that I'll, I'll never forget. It's, it was one of the most in- incredible experiences. Some of the loveliest, warmest kids from some of the harshest backgrounds. Um, yeah, I actually started coaching kids biking in Australia there. And then, and then once I got to uni, I started coaching kids mountain biking in North Carolina. And that's where our kind of stories start to kind of connect a little bit. But yeah, basically since, well, uh yeah early mid 90s just been working with kids so it's getting on a bit nearly nearly 30 years or something like that holy cow what about you what about you tell us your your story a little bit because i know you've got a ton of big background of working with kids yeah when you say numbers like 30 years of doing that it's, it's like wow has it really been that long but yeah yeah, I think, you know, for me, I, I kind of started out as a, as a high school teacher pretty early in, in my, in my career as, as an adult. I wasn't too far, <laughs> too much older than, than the kids at the, at the high school, you know, when you, when you kind of zoom out. But, um, I think I've shared part of this story on, on here before, but the, the one of the principals asked, asked me to basically start an after school bike club for the kids because I, I biked or my mountain biking to work every day. And yeah. So this would be something cool to do. And I, you know, at the time I didn't really perceive it as, as coaching or guiding or anything. It was just, I'm going to go ride bikes with these kids and we're going to go have fun. Yeah. And that's what we did. And it was, you know, I think that's a, it's a really cool experience because you, you start to, you're starting to, for me as a teacher, starting to connect and associate with the kids in a, in a way that's not the classroom. Yeah. And it's it's starting to break down some of the the structural barriers of education. You know, we were actually out there doing something. And that's that's kind of where I in, in those those day early days of leading kids on on trails, you know, it kind of sparked the the idea of experiential education yeah. for me and, and pursuing that as a as a career in, in the outdoors. I think one thing sure. that that kind of put me onto like as you were talking there was like the thing I think the bike does or any outdoor activity does is it it kind of takes the structure slash barriers away but it kind of puts everyone on a level playing field like it's funny how some of our backgrounds are the same like I, I first started um working with kids on bikes in Australia for the similar reason like I was an assistant teacher there and mostly with PE and outdoor ed and um we used to do some epic kind of nine, 10 day adventures in the bush, taking kids through the bush for 10 days and, and creeks and water holes and hiking. And, and some of these kids were, were telling me about this jump that they hit on their bikes. And so one week they, they took me out there and it's this super sketchy jump. Like, and this is like nineties. So we didn't really have good bikes back then either, but just seeing how much fun they were having, trying to do this jump and, and it, it just sort of happened organically. And because at that point it was like, 
I was no longer a teacher. They were no longer really kids. We were just all trying to figure out these sketchy jumps. And then we figured out that actually they're just sketchy and we should go on a ride. But it kind of just took that whole like teacher student thing away. And we were just, we were all just having a laugh on bikes. Um, yeah. You know, as you're speaking there, it made me realize that when I was a kid and I was around the adults that did exactly what you're talking about, yeah, how, how, how much I was inspired. Yeah. You know, so some like just to flip this upside down, thinking about it from the kid's perspective, you know, they're seeing a coach that's functioning. If, if the coach is functioning on all cylinders and connecting and doing all the stuff we're going to talk about, you know, that's that's inspiration for them. You know, that's it's helping that, that child you know, see that they can do more than they thought they could and yeah. you know, see see past limitations and, and, and all that. So, yeah, it's kind of a win win. Absolutely. Yeah, in that regard. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. Let's, let's dig in. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So talking just a little bit about our own personal values with why, why coach kids. And I think next here, let's, let's dig into the, some of the hows, how we, how we go through this and, and, you know, you and I been doing this for 30 years i'm not sure that in one podcast we're going to cover it all <laughs> one magical hour with christian and paul right. in your set. Yeah. Here, here you go you know a lot of it was is learning learning by doing for me it sounds like yeah. for you as well and yeah. but I, I think that you know we we've outlined some some key points here of like here's some here's some things that we found over the years that that are have been helpful for us totally and 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 uh and doing this doing this work. And before we, we pressed record, Paul, we were talking about connections. Yeah. And I think that would be just a, a really awesome place to start because it's not like if you started looking through any sort of literature on this, it might not be the first thing that jumps to mind, but uh, I think it's incredibly critical and we've got some good stuff to talk about. So could you explain maybe to us like in practical terms, what is this, what is this look like this uh, this a concept of connection between the coach and the, and the students the kids yeah for sure i I, th- I think this connection piece is is the foundation for for any coaching really um but particularly kids and and partly why is because uh if it's an adult and an adult you're you're coming at things from the same perspective or a similar perspective um if you're a kid and a kid same thing but if you're if you're a kid working with an adult or adult working with a kid um inherently there's a gap there there's a physical gap a social gap uh psychological gap intelligence gap so straight away you're you're trying to work with someone that's that's at a completely different stage of life so so trying to connect with them is essential because it will allow them essentially to be vulnerable and to open up. And good coaching requires trust because essentially anytime you're learning, you're, you're, you're realizing or you're admitting that there's something you can't do as well as you'd like, or there's something you don't know very much about and you, and you want to know more. So, so whether you think about it or not, any kind of learning environment requires a certain amount of openness, vulnerability to say, Hey, I'm not great at this. Uh, I want to get better. And, and that's where the, the coach or the instructor comes in. And, and that vulnerability is more or less 
scary for people depending on who they are and their backgrounds and and it therefore requires trust like that person needs to feel safe and they need to trust um the coach the teacher the instructor um so connection is really how we build that trust um whether they want to open up to you about specifically biking things or it's um even just the fact that they 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 feel like really with that connection it for me for me it's a case of sometimes i look at it in the opposite way like if i don't have the connection you'll see it The, the kids don't really open up to you they don't really trust you and everything's on a sliding scale so it's not really black or white it's really sort of degrees um so that that connection in practical terms is about trust and a feeling of of comfort for me those are kind of two big keywords like if you can choose some kids in your life that you know or you that you've worked with um kids often don't think about that word trust that's just something that's there or or isn't there um but they'll often relate to or think about the word comfort like am i comfortable with this other human am i comfortable to talk to them am i comfortable if I'm scared to say something, am I comfortable to ask a question? Am I comfortable to be myself and laugh at a joke or tell them a silly story? Or just am I comfortable to be me in this environment? So I think I think the trust leads to that comfort, whether they realize it or not. So this to me, that's what connection means in practical terms. It's 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 being comfortable with another person and trusting that other person and it it's an essential piece of coaching because without that everything else is immediately harder if you want to build someone's motivation you want to build their focus or their discipline to achieve something um if 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 the connection isn't there it's really hard for the coach to build any of those other things um so i guess i guess that's a good place to start um, in terms of what the connection is and and why it's so important, it's it's the how piece that I think uh, um, is a is a bigger conversation because there's there's a lot of different uh, approaches and and tools we can use to build that connection. Um, what's your thoughts? Well, yeah. So before we get into, I think the first tool that I'd like to highlight here, I want I'd like to add a layer to this concept of connection because what you're you're illustrating is this connection from the coach to the kid and yeah. we haven't really def- we haven't spoken about defining what ages we're talking about we'll do that we'll talk about that later but just yeah. in general kids right yeah whether they're teens or younger um <clears throat> but so there's that there's that relationship and we're going to talk specifically about some tools that coaches can use to make the connection but then there's this other layer of how the kids connect to the other kids that are in your group. Cause you're, you're seldom as a coach working one-on-one with a, with a child. Like it's usually in a group, some sort of group setting. For sure. And so then, and then how you, how the connection and that, that vulnerability, as you mentioned in the trust and the comfortableness is spread out in the group yeah. in the, the group, the group dynamic becomes part of something that the coach has to do as well. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I, I love that. And I, I think that, yeah, yeah, you're hitting the nail on the head. Like it, connection isn't just coach, student, it's, it's, and what one kid, it's, it's really connection within the group. 
So yeah. an individual to the coach, the group to the coach, and then the individuals within the group as well. And and obviously the coach is the one managing all of those dynamics. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, to be really honest and transparent here, if we were to flash back to when I was guiding and coaching in, you know, in my mid early to mid twenties, that, that was a, um, an inability, or I wasn't able to actually manage those connections super well. And it, it would, it, you could see it in the group. Yeah. You know, you know, and I, I, I mean, I had a lot of trial by fire. So I, I did, I simply didn't know how to, how to handle that. I felt like I could connect individually, you know, cause I could do it in the classroom, but then we've got this, it's, it's a team in, in, in a sense, even though it's not, mountain biking is not a team sport, so to speak, you're still, you're, you're creating, you've got to create a team Yeah. that, is working together towards some sort of common goal, you know, which doesn't sound like that goes hand in hand with going to ride mountain bikes on a trail, but it does. Yeah, I think. Absolutely. You know, and it, it's making me think of some things this summer where it's like the, the coaches that are successful, they're not just managing their relationship with each kid. They are managing as much, if not more so, the relationships between the kids. And so really they're they're doing that by teaching things like respect, they're teaching things like patience and positive attitude and empathy. Like they're whether they realize it or not, sometimes they're quite purposeful about that coaching. Sometimes it's more subtle. But yeah, they're managing the the relationships the connections between the kids is just as important as managing your relationship with each with each kid um yeah a connection piece is huge and and uh, the what and the why is is massive and then um yeah digging into the how that's a that's a big piece but i think a maybe a good segue into the how for us with connection is how do we view uh, the parents in this relationship, you know, and how, how do we actually develop a connection with them and see them as an asset to this process as opposed to the parents are just simply these figures that drop this kid off and here's the kid by himself. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, totally. I mean, I, it, it's a cool one with parents because, because depending on the parent, the coach will kind of look forward to seeing the parents or not. And so for any of the parents out there, like how well your kid connects with a coach, can a lot of, you know, you can really help in that process. And for the coaches out there, you know, viewing the parents as an asset, it's really that the parents are like a bridge between the kid and the coach. And the parents can be a strong bridge and help you connect or a weak bridge and not help you. Um, classic examples are when the parents don't share things that would have been really helpful. Like, <laughs> oh, little Jimmy was late last night because he was at a party and didn't was at ate, ate loads of sugar and hasn't had a really good breakfast this morning. Like, if that parent had told you that, it would have really helped you be more empathetic, empathetic to little Jimmy, and that's why he's so tired this morning. Um, but on the on the on, on the flip side, like if the kid isn't perhaps behaving the way you want they don't have the right motivation or the attitude the way you want um the parents are your asset so let's let's be open and transparent with the parents asap let's talk to the parents share with the parents and they they can often help in that problem solving um 
again, depending on the parents, some parents are more invested, some are less invested and, and that's, and that's fine. But I think trying to connect with the parents is as important as connecting with the kids. And then beyond that, like viewing the parents as that, that bridge uh, to help you is, is a huge, huge component. You know, I was thinking of one example this summer where this one kid um, was going through some things and wasn't quite having the right attitude to a few things. Um, and as soon as we kind of let the parents know, they they basically took care of it. They had a chat with that kid that week and we, we didn't have an issue again. Um, and then on the other end of the spectrum, you, you, you get the other things where you tell the parents and nothing changes. And you're like, well, I haven't lost anything. I've shared it with the parents. Nothing's changed. Fine. It hasn't hurt the process. So I'll just carry on um, doing the best I can. So, um, yeah, parents can be a huge huge asset in that and and sometimes it, i think it also kind of requires i don't know if you've ever dealt with this christian but like where you're you're teaching the kids how to learn in some ways like you're training them how to learn and then then you can teach them how to bike and sometimes it's a there's a little bit of coaching sometimes with the parents depending on the parents background like have they been in coaching programs or do they mountain bike like what's their exposure to coaching and biking um, and sometimes if they haven't had that exposure, there's a little bit of like subtle coaching with the parent, like this is what we're working on. This is why or these are the things we need in their behavior so that we can teach them those things you want your kids to learn. And having those conversations and connecting with the parents is, is, a, is a huge asset. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I think this is a great segue into kind of our first point under the how, the how part was just kind of categorize this as language and how we use language. Yeah. Um, and I think this applies to both the coach to the kid, coach to the parents, you know, and then uh, role modeling kid to kid as well. So that I think there's, there's a, there's a, a nice little triangle there of, of how this could work. And so to, to dig into this, what we can to kind of the first point, we can say what, you know, how do we talk to, how do we talk to children and how do we, how does that differ than how you and I are talking now, or we might talk to adults and it kind of can boil down to, uh, it's not what we say, but it's how we say it. Yeah, totally. And, uh, you know, it, it sort of sounds funny, but I've, I've always been able to connect pretty well with kids or connect quicker to kids than, than I've seen other people do and I think it's largely just my background because I've been working with kids forever. But but the thing I've picked up is um, it's really how I say it, not what I say. And often I'll talk to them as adults. I see the people that f- kind of, and I say that with a pinch of salt. But I've I've my experience is when people talk to kids like they're kids, they have a hard time connecting. Um, and the reason for that is because. I, I think it's because kids see adults talk to other adults all the time. They see you talk a certain way. So when they see you suddenly talk to them and you're talking in a completely different way, they notice it, they hear it, they feel that they're being treated differently and they don't necessarily want to be treated differently. So it's, you know, I, I, I'm often just, you know, I, there's some basic things like energy in my voice and volume in my voice. 
um, if I don't have the right energy or the right volume, it's hard from a very simple perspective to get the attention that I want. Um, but a lot of that comes from confidence. Like, I don't know if you've, uh, if you've, um, had this in the past where like you just, you just feel more confident talking to a certain group of kids and without realizing it, like your energy is better, your volume is better and you're create and you've got this connection. You've kind of got this buy-in and it, it just boils back from that, that confidence. Um, and, and, you know, vice versa, if you're not feeling it that day, you're a bit tired or you're not super confident or you're a bit worried the kids are going to run all over you. You go in, you're a little bit tentative, you're a little bit quiet, and sure enough, they they don't respect you as a leader and they start to run havoc all over you. So, yeah, I think it's crazy how your voice is a super powerful tool for connecting with kids. You know, I often hear coaches say, like, well, I'm not really a kids coach. I'm not really that lively, energetic, bubbly person, like... Anyone that knows me will probably not put like lively, energetic and bubbly. <laughs> you wouldn't like attach those words to me outside of coaching. But, um, you know, but when I'm coaching, I don't turn into someone I'm not. I'm just a different version of myself. I'm still me, but I'm me with um, some good breakfast and coffee and me. Like I'm me with good energy. I'm, I'm me that's excited. I'm still me. So... I think that's a common misconception is that you need to talk a certain way to kids. You need to act a certain way. And to some degree, yes, that's true. But but largely, it's, it's not true. Just be yourself, be confident, have good energy in your voice. These are basic things that you would have if you're talking to an adult and you're excited about something, talking to an adult, you would kind of talk the same way to the kid. Yeah, and I often think about the the how you how you say something with with a kid and with adults too but in this in this regard flipping around statements into questions yeah. can often be can be a helpful tool um yeah to to make the connection i was i was coaching a um a kid recently who wanted to learn to jump yeah and i had my agenda and you know did all my my things and and i could could tell like he wasn't super stoked on you know, the, the actual learning, the how, the how to, and I'm just, I'm just like, well, what, you know, how, how are things going right now? Yeah. You know, it's like, I was kind of op- opened that, that door, you know, and start, started flipping th- things around with the questions. And I realized that, man, he just wants to have fun. Yeah. And, and, um, that turned the, turned the lesson, you know, in, into where, you know, he was getting out of what, it, what he, he needed to get out of it. Yeah. Cool. Which was, which was fun, you know, and then the, the, the takeaway was, um, you know, learning some, some real basic things with jumping, which is what the, the parent, the parent had signed him up for this lesson and the parent wanted him to learn to jump. Yeah. And so it was like this interesting little kind of puzzle, puzzle to kind yeah. of work through in the, in the moment. Yeah. Well, I think what, that's what a, I? that's a cool situation to highlight for a little bit. Cause it's quite common, right? Where like the parent has this student goal in mind. Like I, I want the kid to learn how to climb better or corner better, or I want the kid to learn how to do drops safely so they're not crashing. But then but then either the parent hasn't communicated that to the kid, or if they hid, or if if they have, they haven't honestly really checked, like, does the kid actually want to be there? Do they actually want to learn it? And maybe the kid does want to learn it, but they don't want to do it that week because they've been 
doing something else all week and then tired. So you often get that kind of disconnect where parent wants X and the kid wants Y. And, you you know, the job of the coach is to try and get both X and Y achieved, really. And and I think think one tool I see coaches missing sometimes is just being open and honest with the kid about the process. So for sure, you know, parent wants the kid to learn to jump. Kid's not really that into it. Kid just wants to ride. It's trying to link those two together and saying, hey, look, like, you know, if you want to have fun, but if I can teach you these things, you're actually going to have more fun on the jump. Um, so we can still work on your goal of just riding and having fun, but we can also achieve this other goal that your parents kind of had in mind. And it it's really about linking those. And sometimes that's easy to do in short term. Sometimes kids will buy into that short term. Sometimes they'll resist. And if they resist, we just have to be creative and not let the kids sort of dictate too much your plan. Like there's ways to connect the parent goal and the student goal, the kid's goal. And we just have to be creative about it. So another example is just choosing your battles and when to, I kind of think of it as like focus in and focus out. Well, let's focus out for a bit and let's just go have a fun lap and give you a bit of what you want. And then on the next lap, let's focus in a little bit and let's just, I just want to show you a couple of quick things on jumps. Yeah. Would you, can you do that for me? And then after that, we can focus out a bit and go back to your, towards your goal. So there's all these little tactics that you can employ that will give the kid what they want, show that you value their goal as well as their parent's goal. If we just take their parent's goal, then we're showing that their goals don't matter and we don't want to do that. That's not going to help us connect. So there's little little tactics like that can can really help you link some of those. I kind of think of them as triangles. The coach has a goal, the parent has a goal, the student has a goal, and there's this triangle that we we need to try and um, look after each point. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, this this specific situation, the, the thing that I, I decided to do was have the kid lead me. Like, let me watch you jump. Yeah. Let me, let's just go do a fun lap, the trail that you, that you like, your favorite trail. I'm, I'm going to just show, show me, yeah. you know, and, and like halfway down, I like realized like he just wanted to be seen. He, he he wanted to be seen and be validated. Like he he knew how to he knew how to jump. Yeah, you know. But so again, back to that whole triangle of like, which how do I fit into that triangle as the coach? Yeah, and how do I work it so that all three sides, to use your analogy, are supporting each other and not yeah. one of them working against working yeah. against the other? Yeah, and it, it all boils back to connection. Like that, I can think of another example this summer where I had a kid in one of my groups that is by far the strongest downhiller in the group. Like he actually goes, when we do bike park days, he actually goes up a group to an older bunch of kids and he still pushes those kids. Like he's so far ahead of the curve when it comes to downhill. Uh, but pedaling days, like he he does not like climbing and he'll drag his ass up the hill at the back <laughs> of the group. Like, and it it's pretty hilarious, but I kind of focused in on like what what does he like what what are the things that he connects with he connects with doing well he connects with being the best because he's he often is it's just his dynamic in the group so you've really got to kind of connect with each kid in the group and realize 
why is that kid in that place in that group? Um, and, and how is that helpful? So he likes the competitiveness. So we just, I just started turning the climbs into a bit of a competition for him and one other kid in the group. And after that, anytime I went climbing with him, he was good. He was at the front or close to the front. Um, so I feel like, you know, going back to this kind of how we talk to kids and, and how we connect, like it's about understanding the world from their perspective. And sometimes adults are too literal or they've kind of forgotten what it's like to be a kid. And they're kind of putting too much expectation on the kid being a perfect learner. If you go in with unrealistic expectations, you will always come out with frustration. And that's something I commonly see in kids coaching. Coach is getting frustrated. Kid's not doing this. Kid's not doing that. Whatever it is, behavior thing, a motivation thing. You're just forgetting who you're teaching. You're teaching a kid. Their brain hasn't <laughs> even finished growing yet. They they don't have basic life skills. They they haven't. They're like a lot of kids at a certain age, like especially that. I would say like um, six to. 10 they're essentially narcissistic they're only concerned primarily with their own little world and that's not mean that's just developmental they just don't develop like true empathy and understanding or other people's perspectives until they're sort of early teens even even beyond that so expecting the kid to be empathetic with you because you're having a hard day that's never going to happen <laughs> Expect, <laughs> right. expecting the kid to follow instructions every time the way you want it's not going to happen so focus in and focus out like focus on little little targets that you can win and then focus out and let them have some targets that they can win so with this kid um climbing i just gave him a few little nuggets of of uh, things he connects to like competition and being strong and straight away he was he was getting up ahead of the group and then, sure enough, next day we were climbing. He was at the back again. So am I going to get frustrated with that? No, because I'm teaching a kid, right? Like <laughs> right. any any parent out there that, like, has taught their kids to brush their teeth, you know, it, brushing teeth is not hard. We, we all know this. It's it's brushy, brushy, any, you know, upside, outside, inside. What, now, what do I say? Left side, right side, Upside, downside, inside, outside, front side, backside. <laughs> you can remember that. Say that six times fast. You get a free donut. But, but like you teach your kids how to brush their teeth, and you literally remind them to brush their teeth. I mean, my daughter is nearly eleven. Actually, she's pretty good. Yeah, but she's eleven now. So it's eleven years. <laughs> And, she, and she's still, you know, so when you're getting things like trying to build habits on climbs, it's not going to happen because you've said it two or three times. That's something you're going to have to work on for the whole summer. You're going to have to engage the parents. You're going to have to engage the kid. You're going to have to focus in and, and get them to try some tools and then focus out and let them do what they want. Let them trawl at the back for a while. Have a day where you don't care if they're at the back, but don't expect them to be a perfect learner because they're not and that that false expectation will just create too much frustration and then you'll disconnect and then the coach will actually start to disconnect and that is not what we want yeah and i think you know to add on to that there's day-to-day -day variability with kids as well yeah 
you know, they may be near the perfect learner one day yeah, and the next day just be a mess. Absolutely. You know, and it's, <laughs> that's just, it, it, again, if we come into that as a coach getting frustrated, yeah. then we're only setting ourselves up for, for more frustration. Cause yeah. it's just, it's, it's just the natural part of working with kids. Yeah. Well, if you think of like, how, how are we as adults? I mean, how many days do you have a perfect work routine? And how many days do you wake up feeling great, ready to go? You know, if, if you, if you as an adult, like for you, those of you out there that like have a boss at work, it's kind of the same thing. You've got this boss telling you what to do each week. And some weeks you're up for it. You're like, yeah, I'm kind of into this. This, this project's kind of cool. And my boss is kind of treating us nicely. But then the next week you're like, I I am not into this at all, but you still have to do it. So you drag your feet, you kind of moan, you know, we do the same stuff as an adult. And the, the best thing you can do with kids is, is understand that you're still a mess. You're still broken. You haven't finished yourself yet. You're still working on yourself. And if you're doing that at 30 years old, 40 years old, and you've got this seven year old or nine year old, Jesus, cut, cut them some slack, give them a break. And as soon as you cut them slack, guess what? You'll connect with them better and you'll all have a good time. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you want to learn more about us, please check out our first info episode, which digs into who we are, what we do, and our background in the coaching and mountain bike industry. You can also check us out on Instagram at Donuts and Bikes or our podcast website is the Mountain Bike Coaching Podcast.buzzsprout.com. All right, back to the show. Cool. So, uh, thinking about the kids that we work with and that you mentioned the, the downhiller, the climber, the different groups, um, <clears throat> kids and coaches sometimes become aware of their position, so to speak, within a, within a group, yeah. you know, and I've, it's common in my coaching experience for us to be getting ready to go downhill and the kids will organize themselves into this person's always first, this person's always yeah, second, and this person's always last. Right. Yeah. Which speaks towards the concept of labeling. Yeah. Right. Where there's labeling in this, in this sense is kind of identifying the characteristics of a person, you know, as something that's fixed as who they are instead of what they're doing. Right. And then associating with that. And, and when we do that, when we, when we associate them as like, well, they're always in the, they're always up in the front or they're always the, you know, the, on top of learning X, Y, and Z, they're the first ones to learn how to do whatever. When we do that, we can sometimes inadvertently, weaken our connection, the, the connections that we have either with that, the individual that we're working with or the group themselves. Yeah. Right. So looking at how do we avoid this idea of labeling and just like really look, tr- trying to see the kids for what they're doing and yeah. where they are in, in that moment on that day, what are their needs and how can we connect it to them with this instead of having the, that preconceived well, they're, they're the, that's the fastest down hour. So they, they should be able to do this. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think that's a great point to bring up because I feel like this is also really good for helping the connection between the kids, right? Like if, 
<clears throat> you know, if if you look at the kid that's say it in that group and they're always at the back, then they'll start to create that self image of, well, I'm the weakest rider. I'll go at the back rather yeah. than I'm a part of this team and everyone gets a chance to mix things around and everyone has different strengths. Everyone has different weaknesses. Um, so, you know, it, again, as an adult, if you were in a group and you were always at the back because everyone else was like, hey, I'm faster than you, I'm going to go at the front. I mean, how's that going to make you feel as an adult? So um, I think the la labeling is key. And, and things like, you know, the classic one with kids is um, like a kid, one kid might ride a line and then be like, yeah, that was easy. But then right. two other kids haven't done it yet. <clears throat> and so now, and they know that not, they're not ready to do it, but this kid has said it's easy. So really working with the kids to show respect and empathy. And, and these are things they can learn short term. They can understand that if I say this, it might make her or him feel um, not as confident or not as good as about themselves. Kids can understand empathy on a short term basis and they, they might not feel it, but they can understand the concept of empathy and they can certainly understand the concept of respect because they know what it feels like when they're treated with respect and when they're not treated with respect. So th those two words really come to mind when we talk about labeling. Like if you write something, try and say something like, yeah, that felt good. But uh, yeah, it took me a lot of practice to get to this point. Or ah, I, that felt good. It was pretty good. It, um, Jack, you know, you've got this. Or Sally, you can do this. Like if, you, if you're going to say it's good, at least also set someone else to do it and so they can hopefully feel more confident doing it. So I think just watching that language is a huge piece. Like an, another one for language with dynamics in groups is like even between groups, like moving up or down a group. So we have a thing thing with our programs in Whistler where we, where we just say moving across groups. All the groups are in the same program. Kids learn at different rates. There'll be some weeks where some kids are progressing quicker and they might move, work better in this group. And some weeks where some kids want to work on A instead of B. And so they'll move into this group over here. So it's trying to create a program where the groups are fluid somewhat because um, it's nice to have a consistent coach and a consistent group. But at the same time, it's nice to have some fluidity so kids can move across groups based on what they want to learn, their student goals, the parent goals, and, and the rates of progression. So instead of up and down, we kind of talk about moving across groups. And instead of saying it was easy, we say, well, that was easy for me. Hey, but I think right. you can do it as well. Like just, you know, that's a big part of kids coaching is you're not, you, most of the time you're not teaching biking <laughs> right <laughs> like a, a good kids coach should be teaching respect empathy um uh leadership in the kids um teaching the kids how to work together teaching the kids about teamwork teaching the kids about about um being humble um you're teaching that stuff just as much as you're teaching teaching biking and breaking and body position and things like that. And, and I, I put more energy into how I connect with kids than what I'm going to teach on the bike that day. Cause the biking piece is easy, especially for all the other stuff is, is there, right? 
exactly right. And then you're, with the others, with all that other stuff in place, including, I, I mean, I love the inclusion of the idea of teaching humbleness. Yeah, you know, which huge. is that yeah. it's a, it's a much needed much needed concept that um, for kids uh, and adults too. But um, once those things are in place, and the writing drives the learning. Yeah, like you, like you said, the, t- the teaching of writing is is actually very straightforward, especially yeah. for kids. Yeah. Check this out. Let's go. You know, and yeah. you know, it's pretty. Well, and cool. even beyond that, like the guiding skills, like if you just purely go risk management, you need kids to listen to you. If they trust you and feel safe with you and comfortable with you, the risk management is way up because they're, they're going to say, hey, Paul, you know, I'm I'm not feeling this. I, I want to walk around it. No worries, dude. Let's walk around it. Yeah. Uh, but if they don't feel comfortable with you, don't trust you, they, they might melt down at the top of the trail because now they don't know what they're getting into or they might not say that and then they'll ride it because they're scared to say something and then they'll crash. So, yeah. yeah. That- well, I think just just to name this and put a point in it is the, the relationship between connection and risk management hmm. is one of our, one of the greatest assets that we have, right? I mean, we've been talking about all this other stuff, but at the end of the day, Safety is always first. And if there's not a connection yeah, and we haven't built, we haven't built the trust and the the empathy and the vulnerability, yeah. then the, the child's going to feel embarrassed not to ride something and feel pressured yeah. to do it. I think, I think it might be worth like, yeah, totally. Like la- language is a key, key piece to all this and, and being careful of, of, um, how we talk, the volume, the speed, the pitch in our voice, these are all tools that we can use to connect better with kids. Um, but I also think of like some practical tips. I guess this kind of goes a bit into culture versus discipline, but maybe we'll touch on that in a sec. But, you know, I was just thinking of like some classic roadblocks or examples of how I connect with kids and how I create that comfort um comfort zone with them but it's really basic i think that's what some instructors miss is like some things i notice i do more often than maybe other coaches is getting down low and just talking to them face to face um giving them little fist pumps um talking to them about what's their favorite movie what did they play on the playstation this week what did they do at school this week what's their favorite book like we talk about this a lot in coaching. These are all like really super low hanging fruits, but like a lot of low hanging fruits, if you actually know how to do that really well, it creates a huge, a huge difference. Like I had a coach that was having a hard time with a couple of kids in their group and I went in and I just, I just went down onto one knee and just, just sort of changed my tone in my voice. I wasn't instructor kind of voice. I wasn't, um, teacher voice i was just sort of hey buddy kind of voice hey bud how you doing like what's up with you today is there anything i can help you with i caught quite a soft tone to my voice because the kid in question had a soft personality like a really really nice kid he's not one of those sort of um boys that's kind of rough and rugged like he's he's a pretty soft sweet kid and so really adjusted my tone of voice for the kid. How you doing, bud? What, what was going on this week? What would you like to do today? Like, give me one thing you want to do and we won't worry about the others. And just starting that, 
you know, we often talk about language, what you should say, what you shouldn't say, labels to use or labels to avoid. But I always think of body language. So if I match my body language with my tone of voice, um, my eye to eye connection, my little fist pumps, maybe a pat on the shoulder, whatever it might be. Um, it's amazing how powerful those base, basic tips can be, you know, finding a common clue with movies. Like that I, I know a bunch of coaches that don't really a lot of watch a lot of movies or don't really know anything about kids TV shows or, I mean, I'm lucky in that I have kids, so I kind of, I know what they're doing, but I knew what kids were into before I had kids. Cause Basically, I never really grew up. I, I think my the, like the childish nature of myself definitely helps me connect with kids. Like I'm still into reading child cars. I still love Star Wars. Like all the things I loved when I was a kid, I pretty much still love. Um, and so I guess that's that's one way for any listeners out there connecting is is stop being such an adult, stop being so serious, so adulty, so teachery, like be that, you know, when it comes to the kids and you've got kids that day, like be the kid, just relax, let it go. Don't, don't be proud of yourself, too proud to just be a kid yourself. Cause really you are still just a kid yourself. I think I'm just a 44 year old kid that has a little bit more worldly knowledge, but not much. <laughs> right? I don't know. What do you think? Do, does that relate to you? Like, have you seen coaches that have tried to teach kids and it, it's kind of just awkward because they're just being so much like an adult? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Seeing that training instructors, you know, um, in a variety of, in a variety of contexts. And it's very, it's very, very, very common. And a, a bit of a, just to put a, a tangible tool here to, that I, I use personally, paraverbal communication. You've been you've been talking about that, but just just to name the not just the body language and you know getting it getting down at their their level, but really looking at our voice as a tool in and of itself. Like, how can you manipulate your voice, your, your pace, the cadence, the sing songiness? Yeah, you know how to use how you use pauses. You know, if you think about like a camp counselor and how cheery. Yeah, they sound and how captivating they are with the kids. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, you know they've got, you know they go through training on all of this on how to lead songs and yeah. and that is just a great tool that the, the kids can hear. They hear and they see it. And they see this adult sized human, but out of their mouth is coming something else. You yeah, know, it's like there, there's something there's something else going on here, and it's interesting and and yeah. it's it it's not this adult that's treating me like, you know. Um, another adult so to, so to speak yeah yeah there's that's a, just there's this sort of magic i find to a good teacher's voice where there's this kind of authority there's this seriousness in their voice but it's very much in the background and it, and in the foreground there's this sort of um open soft um open soft quality to their voice where the kids feel very safe. So there's that kind of balance of like, okay, I need to respect this person because clearly they're the leader. They, they know what they're saying, but there's this softness to it. And there's this vulnerability. Like if kids see that you're vulnerable, 
That's amazing. If kids can see that you're kind of like them a little bit, that's where connection lies is, oh, we've got something in common, right? Like, um, so, and that's a hard trick to do, like with the, you know, the volume's a good place to start. If you're too loud, kids will switch off. And then often what happens is the coach will see that the kids are disconnecting, they're misbehaving, they're not listening. So they'll talk louder. And so it's a bit like if you have a loud radio in the background, you, you switch off, right? Like it's really loud, but you're not paying any attention. So making it louder isn't going to make me listen to it anymore. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. So, you know, coming in with a soft tone of voice, loud enough that it demands attention. But I like, I like with the volume to change the dial. Maybe I'll start quiet and get louder if I need and then... If I'm too loud, I'll bring it down. So trying to put sort of things like the volume or the pitch, I have quite a low voice. So if I'm not aware of it, it can come across quite serious or even a bit intimidating, especially if I'm teaching like the the Princess the princess Dragons, which is one of our girls' groups in Kids Shred um, last year. <laughs> and if I go in there with the big booming pool voice, you know, it, it's not really the right tool for the, my audience, right? So I'm going in there and I'm talking a little bit more like this and a little bit quicker and a little bit higher pitch. Hey, girls, how are you doing? Where should we write today? Any choices? What would you like to do? Um, and I'm just trying to, again, take whether it's the volume or the pitch or how fast I talk or, and, or how slow maybe I'm talking. And really changing these dials because the variation in your voice is what helps kids stay invested, stay interested. Um, and then, and then hopefully from those two things, that's where we get that connection. But yeah, just some other little examples there for me of, of that stuff. Awesome. So I think that uh, moving on into mentioned culture and discipline a bit ago and um, thinking about that as another culture in and of itself as a tool. And we've, we've been, we've kind of been illustrating through this, this discussion of connection and, and likeness or connectedness uh, of, of the culture that we're trying to create, like a culture that's, that's, that's connected student to student, kid to kid, kid, mm. to, kid to kid to coach as well. Um, how do you see discipline kind of fitting into this, this idea of, of, of culture and the, the creation of this, of, of common goals or agreed upon outcomes, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for me, I think a good coach uses culture and discipline as and when they need. So like they're just two tool, two tools to help direct and guide children. Um, discipline is amazing if you know how to do it properly and when to do it and how much to do it like discipline is a very efficient way of getting kids to basically do what you want or to follow the plan so um, uh, i think one of the misperceptions is discipline means telling kids off and 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 that's that's really sort of the old school you know probably opinion of what discipline is but really discipline is just saying here's the rules and uh if, if we don't follow the rules there's a consequence and and you can be as harsh or as, as soft as you want with that, but it what discipline does is it just keeps things sh short and sweet. You know, eighteen, you're you're 
you messed around at lunch, so we're not going to do that trail after lunch. I'm going to pick the trail now. Like your behavior wasn't cool. Um, you're all too loud. And um, so I'm going to pick the trail now after lunch. And they might moan and whine, but like that's what discipline is, is there's a rule and then there's an outcome. And the key for the discipline to work is that the, the coach or the teacher sticks to the outcome. Otherwise, the kids are just going to learn that whatever you say isn't going to stand. And that's critical. So you have to set the rule and choose a consequence that's fair and firm. So if it's a minor break of the rule, then the consequence has to be a minor, a minor consequence. And, and it's, it just has to match up. Um, and then you have to stick to it. And they'll learn that if you if you set a rule in the future and you, you set a consequence in the future, that you'll follow that through. And that that helps them trust you. That that helps them respect you because they see as an adult, as a leader, that you you mean what you say. But discipline isn't just shouting at kids and telling them off. You, usually what happens, coaches are, uh, or, or teachers get frustrated and they lose their patience and then they end up shouting or getting frustrated with the kids usually that happens because they haven't set the rule in the first place they haven't checked for understanding of the rule and then they haven't told the kids the consequence of the rule and or in the past they haven't actually followed through with the consequence so it's in a way it's like basic parenting 101 like <laughs> a little bit like set the rule make sure the rule's fair set the consequence make sure the consequence is is fair and then do what you said you were going to do and it, and repeat that like keep doing that always do keep that keep doing it yeah don't <laughs> right. do it once and then never do it again so discipline can be a really helpful way of just keeping kids kids uh, for lack of a better term kind of in line and on on the program but still keeping it positive but on the other hand i think discipline is is really the backup to culture like, like right what do you what right. are your thoughts on that in terms of like why why would we what is culture and and why do we really try and lean in and prioritize culture so then discipline is really like the plan b yeah i mean culture is is the um kind of the preventative medicine yeah Right. So in this, in this analogy that we're using here, and so you're, you're creating something at the outset of an experience where the group and the behaviors are outlined in terms of expectations and the, and, and how it, how we relate to each other, you know, the safety rules, of course, and, and all of these things, of, you know, if they're agreed upon and if you can get everybody on the same page um, with this, through some activities at the beginning, understanding of where, where they are, what we're doing, then discipline is this thing that's in the background. Yeah. And then it's, it's there, we're ready to use it as, as you kind of outlined. And again, I, I really like this, the, the concept that discipline is not um, making somebody do push ups because they did something wrong, you know, <laughs> or yell, yelling at somebody yeah. <laughs> kind of that old, old school, you know, we're, we're both old enough to have seen, you know, probably gone through that in, our, yeah. in school ourselves. Right. For sure. You know, misbehavior results in, you know, some sort of outcome that's not connected to the behavior at all. Yeah. And, and so if we're establishing culture very intentionally at the beginning, like we're, we're, we're creating, intentionally creating the community that we of, of values that we want to see in the group. 
Yeah. We're keep, we're communicating um, what the plan is for the, for the, the afternoon or the day or whatever, what the expectations are for individuals behavior in terms of following the safety rules. Yeah. Then, you know, a lot of our work is done for us. If we get everybody on the same page. Yeah. It's almost like the kids connect between themselves and they, they manage the behaviors between themselves. Right. And it's the same with uh, adult, that. Same with adults. Yeah. Yeah. And ideally that's a fully functioning team. Yeah. Whether it's our kids that are going mountain biking with us on the trail or a soccer team, football team. Yeah. You know, it's like they're managing, they're managing their own behaviors because they have the connectedness between themselves. Yeah. The other cool thing with the culture is it creates this uh, degree of autonomy where the kids are starting to take responsibility for themselves, responsibility for each other as a team. Um, and it starts to create that autonomy where the coach can focus more on the coaching and less on the behavior. Right. Um, and that that's key. Like one thing I'll often say with setting rules and setting a culture or whether it's even the discipline side of things is definitive language. So, you know, if it's like you guys can't ride down the stairs and if you do, um, we, uh, I don't know, but I think of a consequence now, but like something like if you ride down the stairs, then we're going to have 20 minutes off the bike or we're going to, um, not ride that trail that you wanted to go ride this afternoon. I'll pick the trail or whatever it is, right? Like pretty definite. What I often see with coaches is from the discipline side where coaches get frustrated with kids that are acting badly, kids that aren't listening. And you listen to that coach teach and there's there's a lot of maybes and ifs and I don't think you should. So going back to some of that language, like uh, I don't really think, you know, we shouldn't really be riding down the stairs. We shouldn't really be riding down the stairs. <laughs> if you're a kid with like even just – two percent of cheekiness in you you're going to be like ah screw it he doesn't really mean he it he didn't say not to <laughs> he didn't say that to so i'm gonna ride down the stairs because i'm an eight-year-old kid right so it's like we you cannot ride down the stairs that is a firm rule and these are the reasons why so often rules get dictated and not explained so right you've got to explain right. the rule this is what the rule is and this is why and Here's, here's a consequence if, if that rule's broken. Um, but usually the why should should manage the rule. Like we're not going to ride down the stairs. That's not allowed. Why? It's not appropriate. We're, we're in a walking pedestrian zone here. Um, and it's just not safe. And we don't want you to get hurt. We don't want you to hurt someone else. So usually the why should kind of help build that culture where the kids are like, oh, okay. That makes sense. Let's let's not ride down the stairs. Um, but yeah, things like I, d I don't think you should do it, or you know, I, I really, you know, let's try not to ride down the stairs. Just be definitive in your language. It's key. You know, the classic sure. one is like riding too close to each other on a on a transfer trail or, or along like a valley trail or uh, sort of an urban pathway or something. It's like. Hey team, like we have to stay apart because there's other people on this trail system. If someone stops suddenly, we won't crash into them. Like it just makes sense. Like, do you guys agree? Like getting that buy-in from your team is key for culture. Like 
does this make sense, everyone? Like, do I need to explain this again? No? Okay, sweet. And that's that's where the culture can come in. Um, but again, you know, rewinding back to what we said earlier, remember who you're teaching. Kids. So it's not a one one-time set and done deal and anything whether you're establishing culture with rules or discipline like you will always always have to repeat yourself because it's partly how they learn like understanding how kids learn is massive they they learn through trial and error they learn by pushing boundaries they learn through repetition because they haven't built the neural pathways yet to make create a habit so a lot of the habits we have as adults, it's through hours and hours of repetition that we've kind of forgotten that we had. Um, and so we've built these neural pathways that help us um, perform that behavior, do that behavior autonomously. It's almost like the wiring in your brain is set up for it. Like if you have a computer that, that um, controls a computer in a car that controls the pitch of the car around the corner, like how level the body is in the car, you need to install a program for the computer to do that. And then you need to monitor that program and add to that program. That's kind of what your brain is doing as you develop from a young age is you're installing programs to learn certain behavioral patterns. So understanding how kids learn is, is key, regardless of cultural discipline for you to not get frustrated as a, as a coach. Sorry, I got from a slight tangent there. No, it's good. Good analogy there. Yeah. Very good analogy. Well, let's, um, we've been going about an hour. Let's maybe a couple more, a couple more points here, uh, to talk about. And we could talk for hours about (laughs) human development. Well, all of this, right. But human development, specifically like human development, in the age characteristics. Um, but I like what you like, what you said, just I'm gonna keep this really brief. Cause I think this, this is a really important thing to highlight kids inherently. I, I think the research shows are, are narcissistic. Yeah. And, 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 and as you said, and I don't mean that in, in a negative way, but to reframe, to reframe that word, it's they're acting out of their own self-interest. Yeah. You know, because they're they're in they're inwardly focused. They're a product of their of their their um, being raised by their parents, and they're connected to their parents. They're they're that's that's where their world experience is. And at some point, we have and we as a coach we have to recognize that. Like when we we see a see a kid that's that's self interested or narcissistic or whatever we want to call it, that's where that's just where they are. Yeah, that's just that's who they are. That's 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 totally totally normal. At some point, to keep this concise, there's this outward focus that happens. You know, where this the kid starts to really explore concepts of identity. Who am I? Um, you know, and, and how do I start relating to other to other people? And that's that's a natural part of part of the process that we see in teens as well. And you know, I've seen coaches in the past, like work with kid, you know, a kid that's newly emerging kind of into that zone and, and t- talk about that, you know, this kid is so egocentric, Yeah, you know, because, you know, like, well, yes, because they're trying to find their identity. Yeah. Like they, they've gone through all this, you know, 13 years of, of, of life of finding out who they are and there's, there's still, it's still emerging. 
Yeah. And so I think the key, the take home message for me in terms of working with, with kids on mountain bikes is, um, there's a lot of stuff that we see that's just, it's part of human development. And we have to, one, we need to really educate ourselves on what those phases of human development are, and then not take their actions personally. Yeah, totally. And it's, we're the coach. We're here to to show them mountain biking and, and all these other things we've been talking about. And that that's in, we're assisting them through this whole process. Yeah, for sure. And I I think it, great tool that helps with that is how well can you remember what it was like when you were a kid to to go through that and that that requires quite a lot of self-awareness and a, a decent chunk of memories too because some people can't even remember a bunch of stuff when they're <laughs> kids but like i vividly remember a, a lot of like learning situations as a kid whether it was like in school or scouts or tennis club or biking with my buddies or whatever it was or social like going out like really trying to cue into a memory when you were like six to eight or like nine to 12 or like 13 to 17 they're they're kind of our three we kind of have five and under and then six to eight nine to 12 and, and 13 to 17 kind of our three or four um age categories there of physical and social and and uh, mental development within children and you know picking one of those and trying to think of a few situations and maybe even write it down like get a journal and try and write like three experiences that you can remember when you were nine and 12 or 13 to 17 that that involved you being in a group setting learning a skill having a mentor or a guide or a teacher and really take some time to remember what it was like to be that age. Um, cause that, that will, that, that will help you be empathetic to the kid, understand where they're coming from. What lens are they looking through? It's a completely different lens to the world that we're looking through. And it's a much tinier lens. Um, so all these things that we kind of expect would happen or we would want to happen. They don't always happen. Uh, but that's the beauty of teaching kids because it's a challenge. It's not easy, but if you can do it well, it's the most rewarding thing ever because you're shaping, it's a cheesy cliche, but you're literally shaping the next generation. There is nothing more fulfilling than a kid coming back to you when they were 20 saying, you changed my life. You introduced me to mountain biking and now I have a education in the outdoor industry or or there's some kids I know that have got no career in the outdoor industry but they still mountain bike because they mountain biked with me when they were 12 or 13 or 14 and it's I mean that that just makes you sort of warm up inside and go gooey and, and mushy but like it's incredible as an adult to help somebody along the right path in their life and that's what we're doing and we teach kids so i think the other thing that helps me is remembering the value the value of teaching kids because yes it's hard and today was a bad day and oh my god the kids were driving me nuts and i couldn't get a grip and i just couldn't be patient with them they were driving me nuts but i'm going to stick with it because the outcome of if i do stick with it is something pretty profound. It's pretty huge. I mean, I have an opportunity here to shape this kid's childhood, to shape this kid's relationship even with their parents and their siblings. I was working with two kids this summer 
brothers that were just fighting all the time. And I was only working with them at the end of the summer, so I didn't really get much of an opportunity. But it's definitely something on my radar for next summer. I was working. My goal really for those two is to just be better brothers. And I I have a real shot at doing that. We have a real shot at doing that. And that's huge. That's profound. Um, so it goes way beyond the bike. And, uh, yeah, it, it is literally the best thing I think anyone can ever do is is help a kid along the right road. Wow. That was, uh, that was really cool. <laughs> maybe, maybe remember, um, saying one of my education mentors used to tell me is something along the lines of, uh, the kids that we teach are messengers to a future generation. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's sick. Yeah. It's yeah. a very privileged position, I think, to be in. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know what? I, I think that this is a really would be a great a great place to to end this episode. Yeah, so I, I th- we could go obviously on and on, but this, but I think that this is a it's highlights a really cool point. I think maybe it'd be, be great to end here so that people can have this to hang on to, whether whether they're coaching kids or getting inspired to. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I hope, hope the uh, hope this episode helped and it's good times. Yeah, donuts. Hey, donuts. It's we've um we've had some while. we've had some time out. There was there was a point in the winter where we were doing quite a lot of podcasts and I was eating probably too many donuts <laughs> in the name of research. So I've actually quite enjoyed a bit of a break. So I was like, oh, I don't have to eat a donut this week. This is good. Uh, but I'm ready for more donuts now. I lost a bit of weight. I'm good to go. On that note, I, I can I'll, I can share a donut story. Okay, let's do it. This is a first a first for me. Um, I was at the beach here in North Carolina this this summer, and just great time was down with my youngest soccer team, and it, and I was working as the um, or volunteered to go as the cook for the team. Oh yeah, for this team camp for the week. So I had you know they were doing soccer, so I was either cooking, shopping. Um, swimming. You're a good ocean. cook, so that's that's. Uh, I think that's too good for <laughs> it was, them. <laughs> it's pretty challenging. It's 23 people. It's cooking for. It's yeah. exciting. If any of you get but to go to... around Christians for dinner, you should because he's a very good cook. <laughs> Thanks. But I had a bunch of. I had free time early in the morning, and I'd get on my longboard and go on this greenway, and and skate. And there was this donut shop, and it wouldn't open until like like nine o'clock, which I thought was ridiculously late for a donut shop to be open at the beach. <laughs> that <laughs> sounds good. That sounds pretty good I, for me. I'm not going to be up before that. <laughs> anyway, I, I was got, ex- I finally like planned my day out so I could go, go to this donut shop. And cause there's always, you know, later in the day, I'd see there'd be a line there. I'm like, oh, that must be good. And man, the donuts were so large and so heavy. Like usually like I, I could, sometimes eat two like two smaller donuts like so i got two donuts not knowing what i was going to get that i couldn't eat both of them it was the first first for me wow it was massive heavy it was more like eating a cake wow (laughs) challenge accepted challenge yeah (laughs) plus it's like the beach is hot you know it's like um so it was one of those kind of a donut experience that um glad i had but um it's definitely not my favorite yeah, that sounds cool. What were the what were the donuts? Uh, well, so yeah, I always new donut shop. I always try to get um, one cinnamon sugar, like just a kind of a 
a, a plane. Just that's kind of like my quality yeah, tester. Like baseline. Baseline. That's like, like that's like tiramisu. If I go into an Italian restaurant, that's my right. Like yeah. you've got to be able to nail a, a cinnamon sugar donut. Yeah, totally. Which is pretty good. Then I had a, I can't remember what it was. It had chocolate and bacon. Chocolate and, and bacon. And bacon. Yeah, it was it was pretty pretty out there. Oh wow, that sounds good. Mm. <laughs> so, all right, well, love it. Back on the back on the donuts. Back on the donuts. Yeah. Sweet. Well, thanks, buddy. That was great. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show and that it sparked some ideas for your writing and your coaching. As always, our approach to coaching is on pros and cons, not rights and wrongs. And with that in mind, our podcast is meant to be more of a conversation about topics and techniques rather than a final say in how to ride or how to teach. As always, please take care of using or applying any of the techniques discussed in this podcast. Stay safe, write smart, and we'll see you next time.